Jim Brunzel retired as a professional wrestler. Worked with the likes of Ric Flair and Andre the Giant and many Hall of Famers. In fact, Jim himself was a world champion wrestler. But he's also a dedicated rock and roll fan. And he will join us on today's podcast to talk about many entertainers he saw and met, including one who you will all know when he says his name, who burned his guitar after a 45-minute set. And a few wrestling stories mixed in as well. He's on today's podcast, which you can download no matter where you get your podcast and subscribe to our show feed. It's up next on My First Concert. Welcome to the uh, Talk North Podcast Network. Dave Lee here with My First Concert, a series that has uh, started previous to this, and we've had some great guests. We've got a dandy today, Brianne. Yeah, we do. I'm really excited about it. Brianne is with me every week, of course. And uh, today, a special guest, a guy I've known for a long time, and many of you probably know from wrestling, a world champion, as a matter of fact, as we talked about in the intro, Jim Brunzel Jr. Brunzel, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Dave. How are Thanks you? For, I'm good. I, I love retirement and... Thanks for having me on. Well, uh, let's get right to the title of the show, My sure. First Concert. And, of course, there's some things that you and I will talk about musically as we progress here. You have some great stories. But what was the first one you ever saw, Jim? As I think back, the very first concert that I saw was in 1957 at the State Fair. It was Ricky Nelson. And I went with my sister and my cousin and I believe another uh, friend of hers and we were in the grandstand, and and it was packed, and and every, you know, I mean, at that time in '57, uh, Ricky Nelson was, you know, sort of neck and neck or neck and hip <laughs> yeah. to Elvis Presley. So, you know, he he uh, had a good show, and I I I couldn't remember how long it was, but I I'll never forget that. Uh, you know, atmosphere. You know, for the first time, and you know, I'm eight years old, so. Yeah. I always wanted to, I, I, you know, it's funny because I, I told my dad when I was young, I said, I saw Elvis Presley in um, Memphis, Tennessee, and I said, Dad, I said, I want to be just like him. And my dad was a military man. And uh, so he first thing he did is he took me to the barbershop and I got a flat top. And then <laughs> then I, t I told him, I says, I want a guitar. So what does he do? He goes and he gets me an accordion. <laughs> So I'm, fix them. I'm playing the accordion. I says, I don't want to be Myron Florn, Dad. I want to be Elvis Presley. And there's some bubbles behind yes, you exactly. as you're playing the accordion. Yeah, but that first experience, you know, I, I think if I, if I, you know, I wanted to be a musician, you know, I thought, God, it'd be incredible to be on stage and, you know, be able to perform. But I found other ways to do that. <laughs> well, you were world champion. <laughs> yeah, it was, is you know, if somebody would ask me when I was 18 years old, if I would have spent 27 years in almost 5,000 matches, you know, being a pro wrestler, I would have said, you're crazy. Yeah. But, you know, you never know. So <laughs> it was a good life. I, I was very blessed. I, my, you know, my wife was just incredible. Uh, you know, when I worked for New York from 85 to 93 for WWE, I... I wrestled, uh, and I averaged 27 days a month. Wow. For three and a half years. And I had my own business. I had Jumpin' Jim's uh, gym in White Bear Lake at the same time. So it was uh, a real grind. I just, <laughs> how do you, you know, uh, just for a second, how do you stay healthy? That many matches per well, you week. You know what? Everybody realized that 
they had a grind, so everybody went to the gym every day. And I'd say 95% of the guys ate real well. And probably, uh, I would say 60% of the guys didn't overdo it at the bars. But, you know, maybe 40% did. <laughs> and, and their careers were yeah. cut a little yeah. shorter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so after you see Ricky Nelson, you're yes. kind of bitten by the music buzz. It's always interesting to me when that we remember a lot of things in our lives. But for some reason, one of the great memories is that very first concert. And people kind of sometimes start recollecting, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But after Ricky Nelson, you saw a guy that many of us wish we had seen, and that was uh, Jimi Hendrix. And you're right. That was an incredible concert. And uh, I remember I was at the Beta House at the University of Minnesota. And uh, my ante room partner was a guy named Bill Loxo, who played the nose guard for the university. And I was like a sophomore at the time. And um, he had a girlfriend, and her name was Ella Goldweber. So she had mentioned to me, she said, you know, Jimi Hendrix is coming to the auditorium. And I thought, Jimi Hendrix, the guitar player. So I said, geez, I says, um, <laughs> I'm going to try to get tickets. You want to go? So here, Bill Laxo could care less about <laughs> Jimi Hendrix. So Ella Goldweber went with me to this. And it was just incredible because I didn't know what to expect. You know, you yeah. heard about him being a, you know, a virtuoso guitar player, the greatest guitar player in the world. And all of a sudden he comes out and it was, it was sort of long and overdrawn. And, and this concert, you know, I'm, you know, I'm eight, 19 years old. So it's a lot different than I was you know, when I was eight. So I, you know, and, and there was, a, there was a lot of, you know, pot in the air and you could smell it. And, uh, uh, he came out and he just, uh, blew everybody away. You know, he, like I, 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 you know, compared to some concerts, you know, I read back on this and he only played for 45 minutes. And one of the songs he played was 15 minutes long. Wow. And I remember him going through those guitar riffs and I thought, how in the world does this guy learn? I mean, it looked like it was part of his body. And then at the very end, he, he had a, like a little deal and he set his guitar on fire and walked off. Set it on fire. Yeah, right that's it. that's what he did at the end of his shows. He'd he'd burn that guitar as a, some sort of a ritual, as like, hey, you served the purpose, and you know, we'll see what happens in Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the Who. Remember the Who used to destroy their instruments. Oh yes, back Jeez, in the day. Yeah, but he was incredible. I mean, you know, I I felt. Uh, you know, at 18, 19 years old, they go see somebody like that. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, you f find out what happened to him and, and, you know, how he died so young and, and what a, a tremendous artist he was and how he was looked at, you know, by his fellow peers and, and the guitar players. You know, he was incredible. Yep. And he found a big hit with a Minnesota yeah. writer named Bob Dylan with yeah. All Along the Watchtower. Yeah. Jeez. Well, so uh, you don't have to answer this, but what happened to you and Ella? Anything? You know what? She was a <clears throat> nice girl, and we, we were just friends. You know, it's funny. She uh, actually she went on to date a teammate of mine, Billy uh, Bill Light, who was the captain. Oh, I knew Bill. Yeah, yeah good guy. Still he holds died. a record for tackles on, oh, on, in yeah, a game. Oh, yeah, thirty-one in Iowa. He was incredible. And God rest his soul, he died a couple of years ago um, of cancer, and he was. 
just a wonderful guy, a great friend, and a great football player. Yeah. yeah. Of course, Jim didn't mention he played at the University of Minnesota football as well for Murray Warmath. And then uh, one of the great relationships that developed for you out of the music world was Bruce Springsteen. Can, yeah. you, kinda, can you tell us about oh, that? Oh, geez. Well, it, it, it was sort of a, I, I remember uh, the very first time I heard Bruce, I was coming home from Flying Cloud Airport, and it was like 2.30 in the morning. I heard this song, and it was really, uh, it was uh, Backstreets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, oh, no, excuse me. It was Jungle Land. And I heard it, and it was really long and uh, orchestrated and everything, and, I, and they never mentioned the, the artist's name. So I got home, and it was about 3 o'clock in the morning, Got home and then the next day, I, I was fiddling around and I heard another song by Bruce and I said uh, Bruce Springsteen, you know, is doing the you know Born to Run or whatever it was and and I started to I bought a couple of his albums and drove my wife nuts. She said, "All you're doing is listen to this guy," <laughs> and he was he was going to play at the Guthrie. 1975. Oh, my. And Elton played the Guthrie one time. Yeah. And um, he he was supposed to be in a celebrity softball tournament that we were, the wrestlers were in on a Saturday. And then that Saturday, he played at, at the Guthrie, and I had to wrestle in Rockford, Illinois, so I missed him. And Greg Gagne's future wife, uh, Mary Grazinger, went to that show at the Guthrie, and she said, she said, I've never seen anybody like that. She said, all he did was play the guitar and run out into the audience. And, you know, she didn't, she didn't <laughs> like it, you know. Yeah. And I thought, well, geez. So long story short, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to see Bruce, and I wound up seeing him a couple times. And uh, one time was at, um, I was guest of the Andy Frayne Security this was in 1978 at uh, Chicago Uptown Theater. So I get to the... Uh, venue, and it's my wife who's pregnant with our son, Jimmy, and uh, Mike Gratchner, a great friend of mine and a great wrestling photographer. So I come to the will call, and I says, uh, tickets for Jim Brunzel, and they said, I'm sorry, we don't have any tickets, and I said, what? <laughs> <laughs> and they, they, <laughs> they said, I'm sorry, and I said, God, I'm, I, you know, I flew in from <laughs> Minneapolis, I said... Andy Frayne, the security. Oh, and she says, hang on. So they got the head guy from Andy Frayne, and he says, Jim, we'll take care of you. So all of a sudden, they they brought our little threesome. They walked us down in the orca, orchestra pit. Wow. And we had uh, three chairs, and we were right next to Bruce's microphone. Exactly. Holy we were smokes. Four feet away. That oh. was it. So he came out, and he started out with uh, Prove It All Night. And I was... That was it <laughs> when <laughs> when they saw him. Yeah, it was incredible. So, you know, I, I think I had mentioned, I, I think Mary and I have seen Bruce uh, 60 to 80 times in, in our life or in our marriage. and All sorts of venues. Yeah, and we met him at, um, I finally got to meet him at the Born in the USA opening night. I think it was June 29th, uh, 1984. And the Dancing in the Dark video. Yes. Thing. Yeah. And uh, we were, it was after the show. And I, I think, you know, I, I'd known all those guys, all those security people from the Civic Center because of the wrestling. So I just walked up and this fellow, Jim McDuffie, who was Bruce's uh, aide then, 
he came up to me and he says, can I help you? And I said, yeah. I says, I'm a, a pro wrestler. I said, I'd, I'd love to meet Bruce. And he says, well, hang on. So Bruce comes out. <laughs> and I, you know, I look at him. And Mary had a real short haircut. And uh, what's her name? Uh, the Cox. Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox had danced, and we talked about this earlier, d- dancing in the dark, you know, d- doing it from different angles two or three times during the show. And Mary looked almost, uh, although Mary was a little shorter, and Bruce looked over and he says, you weren't the girl I danced with. <laughs> and Mary says, no, I'd remember that. <laughs> so it was good. And then that was uh, I, a, a friend of mine who had been with Bruce for 30 years. Um, his name was Terry McGovern. And he was uh, just, he, he was an uh, incredible friend of mine and an in. So what happened was for the next 20 years, we saw Bruce and were backstage all the time. And one of the most unique shows is that we went uh, to see him in Milwaukee and they played at the indoor stadium, you know, and it was sort of, they had a cover. So they picked us up at a golf cart and they drove us by the dugout and then we got out and then it, it, Bruce was, had his own room there and he came out and he said hi to us. And then Terry says, well, he said, I got a unique position for you tonight. I says, where? And he says, you're going to be on stage. So we were on stage right by the guitar tech who was doing the Bruce's soundboard. And it was shielded. So, and there's 65,000 people. And, and we're sit, sitting there and they had a bar set up and everything in the back. And they had t- bathrooms in the back of the uh-huh. stage. Yeah. And, it was, and he just... He went for three and a half hours, and that was it. And then I had, when I was over in Australia wrestling, uh, the promoter over there had given me a Born in the USA Australian tour jacket. It was a vest, and I wanted Bruce to sign it for me. So I I gave it to Terry earlier, and I said, can you have Bruce sign it? And he says, well, I'll see what I can do, you know, so... So meanwhile, we after the show, we walked up to his to dressing room, and lo and behold, we're standing there waiting, and he's already long gone because he walked right out, and they got boom, and they take him and they fly him right on the plane. He's got his, he's got a seven thirty seven that they charter, and I didn't see him, and I thought, geez, I hope they didn't lose that doggone vest. <laughs> and and about two weeks later, I got it, and. Um, it was signed. It was really nice. And actually, I donated it to um, a cause in New Jersey, and it got 2700 bucks at an auction. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a great relationship that you had with him. But I think about you talk about 65,000 people. When you were wrestling, what kind of what's the biggest crowd you ever wrestled in front of? Uh, Do you right? know? Yes. It was uh, WrestleMania three in... Um, Detroit. It was at the Silverdome, and it was between ninety-three and ninety-seven thousand people. <laughs> <laughs> and we were supposed to <laughs> take that, Bruce. Yes. Yeah. Well, no. But <laughs> the, and it was yeah. funny because I met Aretha Franklin. Oh wow! She was there, and right around the corner. She was real quiet. And there was all sorts of different celebrities there. Plus, there was another. Aretha num- was just there to watch the matches? No, she sang. Oh, she sang, sang okay. the National Anthem. Oh, wow. And she was wonderful. She was real quiet. And, um, you know, she's just, she realized what she had to do. She walked out there, and boom, and then she was gone. She had two handlers. Two, one was a bodyguard, and I think one was her 
driver or something, but she just boom in and out. But it was uh, we were uh, it was Brian uh, Brian Blair and I, the Killer Bees, were against yeah, Nikolai yeah Nikolai Volkov and Iron Sheik. Oh and wow! We were positioned so we should have been on second or third, but what had happened was they shifted us around. <laughs> and we were on before the main event was Hulk Hogan and Andre. So the people could care. They didn't want to see the, the, the killer bees, and the, they wanted to see Hulk. So, you know, people were yelling, rah, 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 you know, and, they, you know, so, and, and it was a real, you know, uh, but it was, you know, it was sort of, uh, you know, you figured 90-some thousand oh, people. Can't and imagine. it just you just looked out, but you were so focused on what was happening, you know, yeah, you know that you really just you just don't think of the crowd. No, but that's unbelievable. That's a big crowd, and the Iron Sheik was he a good guy or not? Oh no, he was a bad guy. <laughs> he was a bad guy, <laughs> and, and it's it's funny because he got me fired. Um, <laughs> he got me fired for uh, New York, uh, telling uh, the the people that. I uh, went home early at, in the match. He said that it was my fault, and it wasn't because he said he got hurt. He told me I'm hurt, so I got out. <laughs> they fired me, and I said, "I said, what, you know, what are you firing me for?" And they said, "Well, you cut the match short." And I said, "Guy says Cosgrove told me he was hurt. No, he didn't. <laughs> so that was it." Wow. Yeah. Well, I never liked the Iron Sheik anyway. Uh, me so. neither. Yeah. <laughs> So musically, when you did these events, so you had Aretha. Did you ever have any other musical people that showed up at the wrestling matches? Oh gosh, um, I know there was a couple that that came. Matter of fact, when I think when we were in Australia, uh, I'm trying to think now, Dave, who the heck it was, but um, yeah, you'd have musical acts, you know, come up, and they were, you know, all fans, and yeah. you know, of course, they were fans of Hulk Hogan and. And uh, Andre. Roddy Piper and Andre, and uh, I'm trying to think of, of the fellow. It was, um, geez, he said, I'm well, you and Andre were friends too, weren't you? Oh, he was he a used great to like guy. To hang out at Mancini's in yeah, St. Paul, yeah, he, he was a great guy. You know, it's hard to be a giant. I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, when you know, people uh, he used to carry on his bag, he had a little uh, bumper sticker, and it said, Don't get too close or I'll fart. <laughs> and you know people that ask him all these crazy questions and and the poor guy he yeah. couldn't you know say jim and i said yes he says let's go and i said okay <laughs> so you know and he uh you know he could he could easily drink he drank a, a bottle of vodka at one time and you know he drank you know a case of beer easy case of beer and he used to drink three bottles of wine on a, a given night. Didn't you drive him somewhere one time? Was it? Oh, I dro drove him a couple times. And um, you guys were going to a match in Iowa or Illinois or somewhere. Yeah, and he was, you know, the poor guy. He had, you know, you had to have the right car for him because you know he was over seven feet tall, and he sat back, and uh, it was it was just hard being a giant. You know, he just he he couldn't. Um, It'd be lonely, I'm sure. It was, and I think he had he had a couple girlfriends, and he really, you know, spoiled them. I mean, he he was a good guy, and and um, <laughs> you know, it's just like people, you know, I used to say it was hard to be a giant. 
So you wrote a book, <clears throat> getting back to um, Springsteen, yes. and you called it Matlands. Yes. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that? And it's still available, I might it add. It is. It's, it's on Blurb. Um, uh, yeah, I wrote it. I didn't have any help. It took me about three years. Uh, it's a short, you know, it's probably an hour and 45-minute read. Uh, the chapters are, you know, six, seven pages long. And it was just basically I wanted to have it Matlands because of Badlands, Bruce's. Yep. And, and Bruce had affected me so much during my career that I thought I'd just call it Matlands. And it actually, uh, you know, a lot of people have, uh, who have read the book uh, like it. Yeah, and, um, it is good. It is, it is you know, I, I, I uh, matter of fact, I, I sent it to Bruce. I don't know if he even, uh, there's a, a couple, there's a chapter in there with a number of pictures of him. But it, it's hard to find out if he ever got it because his sure. address, you know, I mean, they... They <laughs> they go through his mail and he gets mail you know by the ton every yeah. week. So, but it it was uh, a good book. I think you know I, I was real honest about it, and uh, it was basically uh, more or less uh, a tribute to my wife and my kids because you know of what they went through. Oh yeah, you had to be you on, know, the on the road, a lot. yeah, on the road a lot, and it was just you know when I I had my gym. Out at White Bear, and I was working with uh, WWE at that time, you know, and gone all the time. And oh man, it was hard. It was hard for my wife, but she did a great job. Yeah. Well, you still have a great relationship. Oh, That's God, pretty yes. amazing. Yeah. You know, uh, Brianna, too, that it, I, I think I may have mentioned it last week to you that uh, I was doing a football game, uh, doing the play by play for the team that Jimmy used to play for, the Gophers. And we're playing Illinois, as I recall, and all of a sudden, and nobody gets in that booth when you're doing the game. It's just your the producers and who's ever, you know, supposed to be there. And it was a pretty – that was at the Metrodome. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, I felt this as I'm doing the game, and I think it's Rashard Mendenhall is killing us. Yeah. And I'm, I'm – something's hitting my elbow as I'm trying to do the game. I'm looking, and so on the, that never happens. And I <laughs> turn around, and I see Jim, and he's waving and smiling, and he puts something down on the table – and it was an autographed picture uh, of Bruce Springsteen, signed by Bruce, that you'd gotten at the show that he'd been at the night before, I think, I believe it was. And it said, to the magic voice, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. And if I, I know I've said thank you, but that, that still has a special spot at the house. Oh, so. good. I like ah. this uh, boss thread that we have running through all of our episodes. Everyone has a Springsteen story, right? Yeah. He really just kind of, even if you don't, know him or have met him it's just he's affected all of us so much which is kind of his existence and his art and things like that so i appreciate that generationally right definitely because i mean even i have my own kind of springsteen stories and things like that well the good thing about it is he's a nice guy well good you know he's a, a down-to-earth guy he's very you know you can talk to him on after the shows he's tired but you know he, nice. he he'll always give you a you know a few minutes or something like that and um you know, he's just—he's <laughs> well, a boss. You probably understand it better than most because you were in that same boat as a wrestler, and you and your your fans. I mean, the the word fanatic is fair. I think. I mean, well, I don't know if Bruce had anybody go into the bathroom and crawl underneath the stall and next to you no. and stick their head out and ask for an autograph. <laughs> that happened but, to you? Yes, it did. Oh. 
And I told the guy, I said, I, I told the guy, I said, if you wait outside, I'll sign it for God's sake. Meanwhile, I put on my rubber gloves and I. Oh, God. Where was that? Do you remember what oh, venue that gosh. was? Oh, gosh. I think it was either Milwaukee or Chicago. Oh, but oh wow. For some reason yeah. or other, we had to use the, the main bathroom sure. for some reason. And, and the fans, you know, they'd follow you in. And, you know, they they didn't care. They could have a hot dog in one hand and an autograph in the other, and you're sitting on the throne. Sign my autograph, Jim. We don't care. <laughs> Is that kind of a double-edged sword with <laughs> professional wrestling, but mainly probably the WWE? Is it just that fanatical? You love it that they want to be such a part of what you do, but... I've heard many a stories like that where it just kind of is a little crazy. Well, the wrestling fan is is quite different than your normal fan, and they're really diehard. And you know, they might they might do something that is just a little not too kosher, but um, <laughs> you know, and and people they I mean the wrestling fan they did they'd walk in on you they didn't care and <laughs> no. you know God bless them you know for paying all those <laughs> all those uh, times. Well, you had the magazines too. I mean, you go to the the magazine rack, which is larger than it is now, and there were a number of wrestling magazines, and a lot of them were based on what part of the country you wrestled. Exactly. In. Well, they, they basically all of them came out of New York, so they had that New York. You know, was the top one. You know, always yeah. WWE or whatever it was. was WWF to be yeah, yeah Bruno, Bruno Sammartino, Sammartino yeah. yeah. And then the AW, and you know, it was funny because all, <laughs> all those wrestling promoters were all jealous of Vern, you know, because, oh, Vern I mean, oh God, yeah, because, uh, and the AWA, because, you know, he was multimillionaire and, you know, world champion and, and sort of ruled uh, a great era, you know, for wrestling. And it was probably the best one to be in because you had time off, you know, during the summer, you know, you couldn't get people to go inside in the Midwest, in Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, you know, during the summer because the winters were so bad, you yes, know? Yeah. So uh, that was a, a big uh, plus for Vern. And then he let the, you know, the wrestlers off during the summer. So, you know, you wouldn't have to, you know, wrestle, you know, eight times a week. <laughs> Man. If you could. You yeah. Know? So well, it was the, good. The days of Mad Dog Vashon and Scrap Iron George Gadaski. Right. And there's, I mean, so many great names, and, and of course, you're one of them. In fact, I have one of Jim's. There's, you know, the, he, he's got figures. Oh, of course he does. Uh, kind of like those McFarland figures of the Killer Bees. And Well, Jim, it's always great to see you. If I want to get Matt Lands again, uh, Blurb? You can, yeah, Blurb. B-L-U-R-B. And uh, just all you have to do is put Matt Lands in. Type it up, and away you'll go. Are you still going to concerts once in a while? Uh, I, when I can. There's not too many that I, I – matter of fact, I saw um, – oh, shoot, the guitar player, Jimmy. Oh, I can't – you know, my mind is really going. Uh, <laughs> Dave, I'm glad we're on this time because <laughs> it might be – We can might, edit everything out. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> but um, – Not Jimmy Page. Yeah, No, Jimmy uh, Vaughn. Jimmy, oh, Jimmy Vaughn. Vaughn. Yes. yes. Wow. And then um, there was another. Oh, I saw Max Weinberg down there at um, the Dakota. Oh, Dakota, yes. He's coming again, too. And I wanted to take you. Yes, because, uh, yeah, I was in Florida. Yes. Yeah, for sure. But he's coming again, uh, and it was a great show. And I had my, uh, for Max, my table was right next to his drum stand. I mean, it was right next to his table. So, oh, to Dakota. You know, I did, yeah. yeah. And I, I was going to 
say, Mash, and I'm, you know, na, 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 you know, and I mentioned a couple names, dropped them, he sort of looked at me like, don't bother me, kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was over there <clears throat> not too long ago, and I saw Tinsley Ellis. Okay. Who's one of my faves, and then uh, Tommy Castro. At the Dakota. It's just a cool, small venue. It is venue. a great venue. They say Prince, the guy, they told me that Prince would go up in that balcony to Axe, and nobody even knew he was there. Matter of fact, the last time I was there, they told me I had Prince's table up on the balcony. Okay. That, yeah, they yeah. said this is a special table, and I said, oh, you know. Yeah, well. And that was for Jimmy Ray Vaughn. Bam. Yeah. yeah, they get some nice acts over there. Uh, Brunzi, thanks for coming in. I oh, sure Dave. appreciate that. I miss you on the radio, but I, I hear your voiceovers all the time, and you're the best. Yeah, you just can't. I'm like a bad cold, Jimmy. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, thank you. Say, I want to also mention something that's really uh, good and exciting. I know a lot of us are concerned about our environment and what's going on with that and reducing our emissions and meeting uh, the world's increasing energy needs. So we've got a conundrum there to how to do that. And I do want to talk about propane. I, and I think there's some really fascinating facts that you may not know, but this is a great way to reduce emissions and yet meet those energy needs I talked about. Propane is a clean, non-toxic energy source that helps reduce carbon emissions right now. In fact, and here's something that's really startling for you, propane's carbon intensity score in Minnesota is only 80. Grid electricity in Minnesota, including wind and solar, has a much higher carbon intensity score of 136. So I don't know if you knew that using propane was that much cleaner than electricity. Plus, there's an abundance of propane, and growth of renewable propane means it can be used for generations yet to come. So millions of us rely on propane to heat homes, businesses, fuel vehicles, on-road, off-road, much more. Makes propane the right energy right now. You can find out a lot more about what propane can do for you and the environment by going to propane. Com. I want to thank Jim Brunzel Jr. for joining us here. Uh, Brianne, I think you learned a few things today from I him. I certainly did. I actually have one more question. Could, oh, yeah. could we end it out with this one? We still got him here. Do you have any Vince McMahon stories? He's quite. He just makes me kind of laugh. He really is quite the character. Well, when I was... Vince, sure a businessman, though. Well, he too. is, and he's a, he's a billionaire, and he'll let you know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember I, Vince and I never got along, and right off the bat, we had a... I heard you're not the only one that well, kind of has true, that Well, that's true, but story. I sued yeah. him a couple times at oh, once, sure. so he really hates that. <laughs> but I remember towards the end, I said, Vince, I got a great idea. And he said, what's that? And I says, well, I said... I'll be doing an interview. You come out and criticize the interview. I'll beat the shit out of you. And then I said, <laughs> I said, we'll come back and I'll wrestle you in every town and I'll let you beat me in the middle of the ring. And he says, Jim, that will never happen. And he walked away and that was the last time he fired me. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. There you go. Yeah. Brunzi, thank you. Thanks, Dave. You're the best. One of the greats. Matt Lands. Check that out on Blurb. And this has been my first concert broadcast on Talk North Podcast. We're back next week with more. Look forward to seeing you.